All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. Thank you so much for listening to the fourth installation of this podcast, this episode right here. If you've been listening to each and every episode, I appreciate the hell out of you. Um, If you've been reaching out with feedback, comments, whatever, I appreciate the hell out of you guys as well, because it really does mean a lot to me just to hear feedback from all these things, whether it be negative or positive, it just, it really adds to the experience of all this, and it really helps me, and it really helps me figure out what my audience wants to hear, what they want from me, and it just broadens my viewership extensively, and I really do appreciate it. So, one thing I want to say before getting into the, the NFL latest and greatest, as I say, is I want to discuss how I'm going to be formatting these pods in the future. Again, this is subject to change because as I've said in previous pods, I hope to be getting better and better at this each and every week. Um, and one way I think I can get better at this is by condensing the length of these podcasts. I realized that particularly my first one, I believe it was an hour and a half long I know last week's was an hour and 15 minutes long. I can't remember what week two's was. My point is, these are too long for me. Uh, I don't think they're just too long for me, but they're too long for you guys. Spotify does a really cool thing where it shows me all the statistics, whoa, can get that word out, of each and every one of these pods, and it's showing me that you guys are barely getting through a quarter of these pods before you turn them off, and that's frankly just, it's not good enough for me, and it's nothing against you guys, that's all on me to fix, I need to make these more interesting, I need to make sure you guys want to listen to these whole things, and I think part of that is just reducing the length of these and really getting to the the juicy shit, if you know what I mean, that that good shit, that, that stuff that you really want to hear about, because I get it, not every single game each week really you don't give a shit about each and every game each week. You're not going to be betting on each and every game each week. So there's just really not a point in talking about that kind of stuff. And also, if I want to broaden my horizons, you know, you guys know I like talking about general storylines. I like talking about fantasy football. I also like talking about bets. So I'm going to try and incorporate all those in this pod while also condensing them and just talking about my favorite of each category. Uh, this is going to include things such as a recap of three to five games each week. Again, this is subject to change. Uh, thinking, I'm thinking more like three to five best bets rather than just bets on every single game. Because again, a lot of these bets I wouldn't touch and you guys wouldn't touch. And I've said that before. So really trying to narrow that down. As well as I'm going to go over waiver wire ads. Uh, this could include trade targets as well and also trade away players. So again, just really jumping in to the more juicy shit of each week, as I've said previously, I really like that word right now. Uh, just, just that good, you know, that, that, that shit you're really looking for, that shit that you and your friends are always talking about. Even if uh, right now, perfect example, I'm a bears fan. I'm not going to be talking about my bears too much, or I will, cause it's my fucking pod and it, I make the rules. So yeah, maybe the bears will just be featured each and every single week. Even if they're, they end up at the end of the season, you know, they finish one in 16. I might just still be talking about them cause they're my bears. So anyways, now that you guys know the format of these pods and now that you guys know how I'm going to try to be improving these and also why I'm going to be condensing them, I'm going to jump straight into some recap from last week. First, uh, this is a segment called Shit I Got Wrong until I come up with a better name for it. It's just going to be called Shit I Got Wrong. Uh, The next segment is going to be called Shit I Got Right. (laughs) So starting off with Shit I Got Wrong, uh, this is not one I'm very ashamed of at all because honestly, there was a lot of weird flukiness to this game and a lot of injuries and also just these interconference games can always go 
one way when you think they're going another and vice versa just because these teams know each other so well and they always do it's very different when you compare two teams where you think one might be significantly better than another but they're in different conferences i feel like those are a lot more predictable but again within these conference games it's just they these teams know each other so well and they play each other so often that it's just such a toss-up and especially when you have injuries like this of course i am talking about the steelers and the Bengals game the steelers were without tj watt and deontay johnson to start the game and i believe juju as well was also out before the game if i'm not mistaken and then claypool went out during the game so as you can imagine that left nearly no receivers left uh, to throw to for big ben pat fryermuth really saw some opportunity and you that might be a guy you want to look for in the near future but beyond that I was wrong about this game. I thought the Steelers' defense were going to rebound. I thought they were going to show up. I thought Joe Burrow was going to feel the pressure. And although he did, he kept his great composure like he normally does. And the Steelers just look really, really bad. It just did not look like Big Ben was playing well at all. He looks old. He looks beat up. He's not moving very well. And, of course, this led to something... I guess this is the, sh- the shit I was wrong about segment, which I'm well aware of, but this led to something I was actually right about. It led to Najee Harris getting crazy opportunity. I don't know if you guys remembered this from last pod, but I said he would be an RB1 this week, and I also said Deontay Johnson would be one. Obviously, I was wrong about that, but that's very circumstantial. Deontay Johnson didn't play at all, so that I don't know how much you want to count that. Regardless, Najee Harris got crazy, crazy, crazy opportunity this game. Uh, his 15 catches were the third most all-time by a running back. Third most all-time. That is insane. I could not believe that stat. His 19 targets were second most all-time. I believe he had 105 receiving yards, and I believe he got over... I feel It was 26 or 27, somewhere around there. 26 PPR points uh, with no touchdowns, which is just insane. You can't ask for much more when you're getting no touchdowns of a running back. And Steelers' O-line is still looking awful. He can barely get any running lanes to run through. But if he's going to catch this many balls, again, I don't expect it to, to stay this this just crazy. I don't expect him to get 15, tar- or 15 catches a game, 19 targets. That's just insanity. But I do expect double tar- double-digit targets to keep coming his way. And that leads to great PPR opportunity. And that leads to him honestly being a, a mid-RB1 maybe. Uh, I don't think he's a very... I don't think he's got that high-end potential of, you know, the guys you really got aimed high for in the RB1 of your draft, but he's around the range of a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, which is just great for where you drafted him, and again, he's just going to see so much opportunity within this team. Moving on to the Falcons at the Giants, uh, I just really expected a better performance from the G-Men's offense. Uh, They really just couldn't do anything at all. I mean, come on now, like 14 points against this Falcons team. This Falcons team just looked awful. They were giving up points to everybody. Uh, They couldn't really slow anyone down. And man, I just feel so bad for these New York teams because I keep saying like, well, have hope, have faith. You know, you're young. You got young coaching staffs. It's there's still a lot of gelling to do and you guys still haven't really caught your stride. But then you trip over the Falcons. I just I, I. I don't know. I was wrong about them. I really thought that the Giants were going to win. I thought that uh, it was one of my better bets of last week. I honestly said I was more comfortable uh, with putting money on the Giants than a lot of other teams, which, you know, when I say it out loud, sounds pretty fucking stupid. But 
I don't know. I thought my process, my thought process is pretty just. The Giants have a shit ton of weapons. And honestly, a lot of those weapons got injured this game. So I think that could have something to do with it. I still need to go back and watch a lot of this film. Because I'll admit, like, I, I just saw the box score 17-14. And I thought, like, well, that's not really a game that's going to be very fun to watch. So I, I didn't really watch it. And if I did, I didn't watch it thoroughly enough. I'm sure I saw port, parts of it on the Red Zone channel because I was doing nothing Sunday but just watching football. I got work off and was just watching football all day. It's fucking awesome. Haven't done that forever. Um, highly recommend it if you guys can. <laughs> uh, but on a more serious note, I feel like that had something to do with it. Regardless, I still thought the G-Man should have won this game and they disappointed me. So moving on to Washington versus Buffalo. Uh, this was another game that I was wrong about. Uh, I thought Washington was going to keep it a little closer. I was still, you know, the reason why I did say that, though, to be fair, in my regard also, was we just hadn't seen enough from the Bills offense for me to really, like, put my money on them, put my put my name behind them. Uh, they were just extremely underwhelming the first couple weeks. And, excuse me, and this was the game where I did say this in my pod, uh, I was just saying, wait for this offense to explode. Just wait for this offense to explode. Sure enough, this is the game they explode. Um, and this leads me to my point about Washington's defense, which again, I guess this is my segment of shit I got wrong, but I was kind of right about Washington's defense. Um, they do not look nearly as good as they did last year. They were regressing extremely fast. Obviously it's extremely, extremely early. Um, but let me just show you some stats that jump right off the board, or jump right off the screen, excuse me, to me. Um, their rush defense last year. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, I'm reading their 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 wrong stats. Let me see this. Sorry, their rush defense this year so far through three weeks. Obviously, you can't take too much away from it because it's only week three. Is 26th in the NFL, which is as we know, there's only 30 teams in the NFL or 32 teams in the NFL. That is. That is awful. That is really, really bad. Uh, last year, they were 14th against the run, which I guess, you know, isn't the craziest number. It's nothing to, you know, write home about. It's about middle of the league, but it's still a lot better than 26th. And this is the stat that really, really jumps out to me. Last year against the pass, they were third. That's great. And a lot of that was due to Chase Young and Montez Sweat stressing out quarterbacks and making them, you know, throw bad balls, making them uh, have Ill, ill-minded Ill decisions, those type of plays. This year right now, they're 29th in the league. That is third worst in the league. Are you kidding me? Or fourth worst, excuse me, excuse me. That is fourth worst in the league. That is a huge, huge, huge difference. And like I said, that is why I wasn't taking Washington to cover their win total this year. Uh, that is why I think the Cowboys are going to win the division, which I'll, I'll get to later. I'm looking pretty right about that. Uh, not trying to sound arrogant, by the way. This is just what this is just frankly like what i've been saying and i just want to uh i i wouldn't i wouldn't have a shit i got wrong segment if i was only talking about all the shit i got right you know like i i we all get plenty wrong and i'm again i've said this in previous pods i'm completely fine admitting that i've been wrong on a couple things and i'm i think it's all right to say i was right about a couple things too that's all i mean Another game I was wrong about was the Vikings at the Seahawks. Um, I still thought the Vikings would win, so I guess I was right about that. But I genuinely thought this would be a lot closer. The first half was kind of how I was expect expecting, expecting the whole game to play out. I really thought they were going to go be going back and forth. I thought it was going to be good, hard, running the ball football. Um, I thought both these quarterbacks were going to get going early and often. And they did, and they really did. But 
the Vikings just pulled away that second half and their offense looked great. Justin Jefferson really showed up this game. Uh, happy for that. Happy for my fantasy team. I have Justin Jefferson, um, obviously. But regardless, the Vikings just, they they did what I thought they did on a much greater scale. Um, it was just, they're, they got great things going in the run game despite Dalvin Cook. Their play action worked well off of it. And then Kirk just didn't make many mistakes. And the Seahawks secondary just looked very below average and it was it was a great win for the vikings it was a statement win for the vikings i think they needed that um i think they're gonna hopefully work off this momentum or maybe not hopefully because i'm a bears fan but fuck it. i mean i don't care i don't care the bears are so bad i i'm so well aware that we are so garbage and i think it'd be i like this vikings team even if we're rivals i think it's a cool team i like a lot of their players i've always liked kirk cousins i've always liked dalvin cook i like justin jefferson a lot um there's no shame in saying, like, it'd be cool to see this team, you know, catch their stride after starting 0-2. Because they always seem to have these slow starts. And we always have these talks like, oh, should Mike Zimmer be fired? No, dude. No. He's a good head coach. Uh, and then, oh, yeah, yeah the other narrative is, uh, oh, should Kirk Cousins leave town? Like, no, dude. You know how many fucking... The things that I would do as a Bears fan for the consistency of Kirk Cousins, like, it's just... Why? Why, why would you consider getting rid of those guys when their fundamental parts of your franchise and they're doing pretty damn well i don't i can't remember the last time they had a losing record anyways um what 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 else did i write down about this game i feel like i'm forgetting something um i guess staying in the nfc north uh the lions may not win many games but that o-line and their coaching will keep them in a lot of games uh so that's something to look out for for this week especially because they're playing the bears um Again, this doesn't really have to do with the Vikings, but in a way it does because I think that the Vikings-Lions games are going to be a lot closer than people think. Um, I also think DeAndre Swift is going to be a stud all year, and I think you can pretty much start him the whole last year in your flex or RB2 spot. Uh, but yeah, that that, is, that doesn't have too much to do with the Vikings. All I'm trying to say is that these Vikings-Lions games are going to be closer than people think because this Lions O-line is really damn good. All right, more shit I was wrong about. I was wrong about the Saints. I don't know if anyone just heard that, but I was about to say Saintriots. I just mixed the Saints and the Patriots name. The Saintriots game. All right, so the Saintriots game I was wrong about <laughs> because um, there was, I mean, there was a few things. The Saints, or the Saints defense just played great football. That was obviously there was a few flash plays from the Patriots receivers, most particularly that Kendrick Bourne. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a moss, but he like he caught it in like a really awkward position. The DB was like falling down, I think, and he like kind of plucked it over the DB. Uh, the DB was just in a really bad position. It, it shouldn't have really happened that way. Mac Jones just kind of was like, if I'm mis not mistaken, he was falling down, throwing it off his back foot. Kendrick Bourne, either way, made a great play, caught the ball, uh, managed to keep his feet in bounds, and then ran in for a touchdown. Uh, Jacoby Myers is someone who I've been talking about the past three weeks. Um, he's looking great. He got nine catches, I believe for 94 yards. If I'm remembering that right off the top of my head, but either way, that's great from a PPR uh, standpoint. Jacoby is still someone you want to keep on your bench. You still someone you can put in your flex in situational positions. Um, just be patient with him. I still think he has a lot of time and, uh, man, that James white injury freaking hurts like that sucks. Not, not just for you know, fantasy implications because I was talking up James White as a solid PPR back, but 
in the real life implications of that just suck, man. That's that the Patriots love this guy. There's a reason why they've never let this guy walk away, and he always seems to be coming back year after year. It's because he has a very solidified that Giovanni Bernard role in this offense. He just catches balls. He's always a good checkdown guy. He is not the strongest runner, but he's just great catching the ball out of the backfield, and he's just a great safety blanket for Mac Jones. So this hurts so badly for him. Either way, um, one thing I did notice, uh, just straight up about the stat line of this game, if you're having your rookie quarterback throw the ball 51 times, that's not a very good indication of winning a game. Um, I just don't really think you can win a game that way, asking your quarterback to do this much. Uh, the, excuse me, excuse me, man, I just had a little, I don't know if you guys heard that, but I had a little hookup. Um, and then the Pats run game just couldn't really go, get going at all. I really didn't see this happening. Uh, truthfully, the Pats on both sides of the trenches kind of just got out muscled by the Saints, which, I mean, it's not the most surprising. Whoa. Sorry, guys. I have no idea what just happened there. I was talking about, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. The, um, the Saints, truthfully, just beat up the Patriots in the trenches. It was not a very Bill Belichick game. I was really surprised to see that. Bill rarely has that happen to him. I was actually just talking about last week how the Patriots barely get blown out, and I really thought that the Patriots' defense was going to be able to expose Jameis Winston, um, and it honestly looked at the opposite. The Saints' defense really exposed Mac Jones' rookie tendencies. The Saints' offense, uh, particular offensive line, really pushed around the Patriots' defensive line and gave Alvin Kamara great holes to run through. Uh, it was just a great game plan for the Saints, and it really worked out perfectly. And I was very wrong about how I thought that game was going to go. So, enough negativity, enough talking about what I was wrong about. We're going to go ahead and move on to what I was right about. I already mentioned I was right about Najee Harris. I was right about the Washington football team. Um, this is the part where I go into a deep sadness and talk about how I was right about my Bears. Uh, that was just... That was fucked. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. I didn't think Justin Fields was going to get sacked literally nine times. I didn't think that Miles Garrett was just going to explode and go for half of those nine sacks. Literally, he had four and a half sacks, if you guys don't know. Um, that There was just so much wrong with what happened to the Bears. And I don't mean on like, like, like what the what Cleveland did to him. I just mean like the way they prepared for this game was obviously so fucking wrong. It it was just so hard to watch. We literally could do nothing. I uh, I know you guys have already all seen those stats about Justin Fields passing yards compared to Justin Tucker's field goal. And sure, yeah, you can blame some of it on Justin. Like I'm I'm not going to sit here and say like he had a flawless game because when you go 6 and 20, there's no way you have a flawless game. Sure, he held on to the ball a few too many times. Uh, he looks like he's still in college at times. Um, he just, there's that, it's that game clock that I guess he doesn't, hasn't really developed yet. He's so used to having great protection in front of him and having all the time in the world. And also those edge rushers in college just aren't nearly as fast as, you know, Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. Um, so I don't really think that's, that's all to blame on the coaching staff because certainly he did some stuff there. But my God, dude, Nagy needs to give him some just easy, quick stuff to get his to get his mental up. Like it's just ridiculous, man. Give him like a couple RPOs, let him run out on a play action boot and get some space in front of him before everyone's in his face in two seconds. Uh, establish a run game early so he can they actually can't just 
excuse me, they can't just drop a whole bunch of DBs back and then let their front four eat the Chicago Bears offensive line line alive because that's what they did. It was just there was so much done wrong here by the Bears coaching staff that I don't think you can really blame it on Justin. Yeah, Justin had problems. Not saying he didn't. But man, Nagy needs to call better protections, allow him to get the ball out quick, and not just drop back and let his routes develop. And then, because, fair enough, fair enough. Justin had a couple moments where he needs to get rid of the ball quicker. But in the same token, he couldn't. He couldn't. There's there's too many downfield routes. They're comeback routes. They're post routes. They're... It's just not easy, you know, like sticks. They're double move routes, for example. It's just not easy, like, you know, out routes. There was no slants. There was no, like, Cole Komet, you know, runs a little hitch route after five yards and he just gets a big body in there and, you know, throws it high and he gets it. Or Jimmy Graham, whatever. There was none of that. And it was it was so hard to watch back and watch that film because I watched the whole thing the morning, uh, that morning of, I got up, um made myself some breakfast, you know, put on my bear socks, put on my bear's jersey. Uh, just, I expected an ass whooping. I really, really did. I expected an ass whooping, but come on, show me something, Matt Nagy. I don't get how it's just, it's so fucked, man. And it's so hard to watch. And seriously, the bears might have like, I should, you not. they might have like a fifth overall pick. I don't know. I still love what I'm seeing from our defense, and that's the only reason why we might not end up with a number five overall pick. But honestly, I don't even know if I like that at this point because we're continuously in this like pick 10 to like 20 range that's just no man's land, and you can't really get that like one impactful play. Either way, we have our franchise quarterback. Maybe it's different this year. Maybe, you know, the 11th overall pick gets us like a stud left tackle or a stud right tackle. Um, man. I miss Tevin Jenkins so much. We never even saw him play a game, and I just think he would have helped this team tremendously. If you don't know who Tevin Jenkins is, it was the Bears' second-round pick last year. Uh, just go look up Brett Coleman's video about him, and you'll fall in love with him. He's an absolute beast in fucking run blocking. Uh, he still needs a little work in pass protection, but regardless, he would have helped this team tremendously. And I just, I, I miss him. I miss him. Um. I know I'm spending a lot of time on this topic, but again, it's my bears. It's my show. Shut up. I can talk about what I want to talk about. Um, still, I'm super, I'm happy with our defense. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, our defense is still playing really well. Our defense looked a lot more like that Fangio scheme. Uh, truthfully, they played great against this Browns offense. They really did. Uh, although the box score might not show it, it's, it's very hard to be very productive on defense when you're literally on the field the entire ass game. Uh, I wasn't sure. I didn't look up the exact stats of how many times the bears punted it but it was damn near every drive as we know um and when you're on the field that much as a defense and particularly cleo mack actually he had a little injury in this game he looked like he was limping around i was shitting my pants he ended up coming back in this game um thank fucking god hopefully he's all good to go for next week i don't really know what that situation is but again our defense looked more like vic fangio's uh looks really really good uh one thing that that's still pissing me the hell off though is eddie jackson needs to fucking learn how to tackle it's 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 so disappointing and so frustrating to me and i might you guys can probably hear my blood boiling over the microphone because this guy just two years ago 
was an all pro right he was the best safety in the league he was damn near he might have led the league in picks i don't exactly remember but he was up there um pff's highest graded safety all that good stuff just everyone knew whose name was everyone everyone knew he was a stud and then this year he comes out and looks even more so of a downgraded of the version he was last year which is just so hard to do i mean god damn go watch that kareem hunt touchdown and watch eddie jackson try and tackle him and then watch him tackle his own teammate once again and he breaks off for a touchdown it's so hard to watch it's like every single week eddie jackson blatantly horribly fucks up a tackle and it causes a direct six points from the opponent team so it's just man i can't i can't even i can't even believe it because he was so good and we paid the shit out of him and i thought he deserved it and i almost got an eddie jackson jersey and now i don't even know if he deserves a roster spot no i'm joking he, he does he does he still does good things for our defense but man he's hard to watch oh sorry take a little drink of water because that just got me fucking hot all right another thing i was right about uh, this doesn't really matter this much, but I just thought it was cool, and I'm proud of myself, so I want to show it off. I was so close to nailing the score prediction for the Jags game last week. It was, like, kind of ridiculous. I predicted a 30-17 Cardinals victory, and the final score was 31-19. Just saying. Doesn't mean shit, but that's pretty cool. Uh, they also covered the spread, too, so that's cool. Nailed that. Uh, yeah, not, not, that, that's not much shit at all. I just wanted to say that. That's pretty cool whatever anyways another thing another thing i was wrong or i was right about rather um or i guess i already mentioned this earlier i don't know why i wrote this twice um was the vikings and the steel or sorry was the vikings and the seahawks uh it was very close most of the game vikings pulled away in the second half um a lot more than i anticipated uh regardless I was right about the outcome of the game and many players' production. Uh, I thought DK was going to have a good game. Uh, Tyler Lockett actually didn't have quite the production that I thought he would. I really thought that, you know, but we can expect a little regression. He had two great weeks in a row. You can't really expect that to go forward three times in a row. Um, and it sounds like he's going to be okay. He had a scary little injury on the field. Uh, as to Jordan Brooks, I believe he got carted off, if I'm not mistaken. But it's sounding like they're both going to be fine for next week, which is just great for the Seahawks because those would have been two really big losses among their lineup, uh, particularly Lockett, as we know. But, yeah, it sounds like they're going to be all right. It sounds like we have nothing to worry about there. Um, and another thing I want to note about this game is the Seahawks are now 1-2, and two, right? They are, right? Yeah, yeah, they're one and two. I had to think about that. Sorry, yes, the, the Seahawks are one and two. And in my opinion, uh, that's the best one and two team in the league right now. Um, if you think if you think the Vikings might be a little better, because obviously they just beat them, I think if the Vikings play them again in Seattle, I actually think Seattle wins that game. So you can say what you want about that one. That might be the one uh, team that's up for debate. But honestly, I don't really think it's close between the rest of them. Uh, to give you a list of the other one and two teams, it's the Falcons, the Bears, the Washington football team, and the Eagles. I would comfortably put the Seahawks above all those teams. By the way, those are all NFC teams. I didn't notice that. Huh. Well, yeah, I, I, it proves the point. They're better than all those teams in their own conference. Moving on to our best bets from week four. Uh, again, we're only at 27 minutes here. So hopefully those first two categories weren't too long. Hopefully you guys enjoyed those first two categories. Let me know if you want to keep seeing those. And again, just keep hitting me with suggestions because 
you guys are truthfully the best uh, way I get to know what you guys want to hear. Obviously, I can't know what you guys are want to hear, so reach out to me. Anyways, best bets of week four. Uh, I'm going to let it be known that all these odds, as always, are from CBS Sports. And I don't know if I've met, mentioned this previously, but I do record these pods on a Tuesday, so all these odds are from Tuesdays. Um, oftentimes they'll shift throughout the week depending on what betters like. So we make our takes very early to get on boards before those odds shift. Um, obviously they're, they could be shifting as I'm speaking right now, but I just have one of my, what was in my notes from Tuesday morning from CBS sports. So let's go. By the way, a lot of hard bets this week, a lot of bets that I just, I truthfully, I don't know if I'd go near. Um, so I think I'm sticking with three if i'm not mistaken yeah i've got three best bets and then i've got one sleeper bet so my first best bet is going to be the browns at the vikings uh the browns it actually started as a pick em when i checked this morning i refreshed the page now the browns browns <laughs> now the browns uh now the browns are favored by two points um as we know their d-line looked extremely dominant against that horrid bears o-line last week um and as we also know the vikings o-line is playing a lot better than they started the season but I think they're going to have a little bit of regression here. I think this Browns D-line is really starting to get, get in their stride. I think they're coming off a shitload of confidence from that last game um, where they just literally ate the Bears alive. Uh, and I think they're going to carry that momentum into this week. I think the loss of Dalvin Cook also catches up to him a little bit this game. I know Alexander Madison had a great game last week, but let's be honest, he's no Dalvin Cook. Uh, there's a reason why Dalvin Cook's the starter, no shit. I just expect a little regression here is all I'm saying. Even if he's healthy, Dalvin that is, uh, he's likely not to be 100%, so it still doesn't really help their case. Also, I just want to say, uh, maybe I'm just a Browns bandwagon, but I'm going to ride it until it fails me. Uh, something I have in my notes here. I, I've been very high on the Browns all, all year, and I still think they're going to be very good. So until they show me something different, I'm just going to keep going with it. Uh, two points is... It's, it's truthfully not that much at all. Obviously, this started as a pick so a lot of people didn't really know what to do here. Uh, and clearly, the betters like the Browns as the, the odds go more and more towards them. So hop on this early. It's only a two-point spread right now. Uh, this just doesn't really feel like a great grand game script for the Vikings. I really think that the Browns are going to be able to get good pressure on Kirk Cousins. And as we know, Kirk Cousins is a much different quarterback when he's on his when he's on the move, honestly, when, he, when he's on his legs, when he's, when he's not comfortable and secure in that pocket and can't make his reads quickly enough um and we'll see how the vikings coaching staff adjusts uh maybe we'll have them see maybe we'll see him throw more quick slants the more type of that type of stuff but regardless give me the browns here uh my final score prediction is going to be 24 17 browns Moving on to the Seahawks at the 49ers. Uh, I believe this is at the 49ers. Now that I think about it, I actually am not sure where this game is, but honestly, it's not going to change my take on this. <laughs> um, this is the part where the Niners fans either have to cover their ears or they listen and then they come at me in my DMs, both of which I'm perfectly cool with. I don't really care. Um, I still think your team is incredibly overrated. Uh, I just, I don't know why people are so high on the Niners. I've never understood it. I still think that their division is extremely tough. I still think they're the fourth best team in their division. Uh, I still think that they have so much to prove, particularly in the secondary. Their secondary just looks goddamn awful. And when you have a bad secondary against Russell Wilson, that's not what you want. And especially when you're not creating pressure because last game, you know, you, you, they pride themselves on their trenches 
right? They have a good O-line. They have a great defensive line. At least that's what they're supposed to have, right? But they got completely outmuscled by the Packers last, last week, which the Packers are missing two of their best players on both of those respective trenches. They don't have David Bakhtiari at left tackle, and they don't have Zadarius Smith. And you got honestly bodied around. <laughs> it just, or they bodied the Niners around rather. You know what I mean? It, it just, anyways, sorry, someone walked in, but it's not a good look on the Niners at all. It's just, if you're priding yourself on your defensive line, you expect to get pressure, especially when they're missing their best player. And you're priding yourself on your offensive line and they couldn't get much going at all. The protection wasn't good for Jimmy G at all. And that leads me to my final point. Jimmy G is the fourth best quarterback in the division. And even if Trey Lance is in there, he's still the fourth best quarterback in this division. This division is just so damn competitive. We can't forget how good they are. And this, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't get what the hype is behind this Niners team. I'm sorry. You guys can tell, fucking come at me in my DMs, cover your ears, Whatever you want to do that works out, do it. Because, again, it sounds like Lockett's going to play. It's DK's definitely going to play. It's the, Russ is going to cook this game. Uh, if you can't get pressure on him, if your secondary's not playing well, Russ is just going to cook you up. Uh, give me give me the Seahawks to win this game. Give me the Seahawks to cover that 2.5-point spread. And I think the final score is going to be 20-27 to 27 Seahawks. Moving on to the Titans at the Jets. Uh, this is another game where I'm just going to keep riding the... Uh, it's kind of the opposite of what I'm doing with the Browns. The Browns, I've been, you know, hyping them up. I've been saying they're going to do great. And I've been taking a lot of their bets because I just believe in this team. The Jets, it's the exact exact opposite. Exact. I almost said exact. Like Zach Wilson. Um, well, it's the exact opposite. They, they just... I haven't seen shit from this team. The Jets look goddamn awful. They look like the worst team in this league. I know the Titans' defense is awful. I know that A.J. Brown probably won't play this week. But until the Jets show me something, I just think they're going to get fucking steamrolled. Why are they not going to get steamrolled? If you, <laughs> I haven't seen anything from them. Zach Wilson's playing like the worst quarterback in the league right now. And maybe that's not entirely his fault because this Jets team is just so bad. But regardless, that's that's not something you want to take in this game. I... um. I actually just realized I didn't write down the exact spread. I think it was like seven and a half points, something around there. At least with the last time I checked, it was seven and a half points. I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to be taking the Titans and it's going to get, you know, climb higher and higher. But regardless, I've got the Titans winning 27 to 14. So that leaves a lot of breathing room for that spread to move and you can still take this bet. Um, Again, I just think Tennessee is only getting better and better. I think Derrick Henry is just the king, the identity of this team, and he might just touch the ball like 35 times this week. And again, uh, I think he already did that in week two. But regardless, he's going to feast. Ryan Tannehill is going to feast. Julio Jones is going to feast. Uh, Zach Wilson is going to continue to struggle. I think the Titans defense is really going to get some mojo in this game because of those mistakes from Zach Wilson and also their ability to... Hopefully Bud Dupree shows up a little with this game. Hopefully Janoris Jenkins shows up a little with this game. I just hope their stars really like, you know, show why they why they're there and why they got the money they did. So moving on to my final bet. This is what I'm gonna call my sleeper bet because I don't really know if I'm gonna, I would take it. Um, but it's definitely something to look out for. Right now, according again, according to CBS Sports on Tuesday morning, the Cowboys and Panthers over under was at 50 and a half points. Uh, just knowing both of these teams, knowing both of these offenses, obviously the Panthers are missing Christian McCaffrey, and that's going to be a huge tell to how Darnold plays. And I think he does come down a little bit in this game. He does come back down to earth. He's been playing really, really great football. And 
his competition has just been absolute garbage. I think that's a great way you can you can look at it. He played the Texans one game and he played the Jets one game. And the Jets put up, I think it was 14 points in that game. So, regardless, I'm not down on the Panthers or anything like that. I think the Panthers are still going to be a really solid team. Um, but I don't think they're, you know, they're not that elite caliber NFC team. There's still a ton of teams better than them. Uh, and I think the Cowboys are definitely one of them. I think the Cowboys are definitely going to win this game. I believe they're favored by five points right now. So that's not something I'd necessarily touch because even if I do think they're going to win, I think five points is still a little generous for the Cowboys. Uh, I was very tempted to make it one of my best bets, but instead I'd rather make it a sleeper bet. And I'd also definitely take that over under as a primary bet. It's just going to be a very high scoring game. I think the Cowboys are going to have another uh, statement win just like they did their last two. And I think we're really going to be respecting the Cowboys more and more. Uh, as, as I think we have, or as I think we should have this entire year, because truthfully, again, this is not the segment I'm trying to say, like I was right about it or whatever, but I, I, I'm feeling a lot better about my take that the Cowboys are going to win this division. Anyways, uh, another thing about this game is actually to look out for Micah Parsons. He's been playing really great off the edge, which is just fucking wild. Um, Micah is awesome. This, 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 this rookie is so cool. He plays everywhere on the field. Uh, they had him playing like a, I think it was like a strong side linebacker week one. I could be wrong about that. They had him playing some linebacker role. I believe it was a strong side linebacker. Um, they had him playing Sam uh, week one. And then Demarcus Lawrence obviously got injured. Now they've been having him come off the edge ever since. And he's been, he's playing great. It's fucking cool. It's just so awesome to see that. That type of versatility in a player, particularly a rookie, is just so rare. And I think it's so awesome to see. So... That does it with the shit I was wrong about, shit I was right about, and also my bets and my sleeper bet of the week. So moving into the final category of this podcast, again, trying to wrap it up quickly, are my waiver wire ads. For all you fantasy guys, um, I'm sure a lot of these names have already been talked about a lot, so I'm not going to get, I'm not going to spend too much time on them. Number one, very obvious candidate is Chuba, Chuba, whoa, Chuba Hubbard. Um, Especially if McCaffrey continues to struggle with injuries like he did last year. Uh, Chuba Hubbard has serious, uh, I would say high-end RB2, uh, maybe like mid-RB2 upside. Uh, I don't think he's going to catch nearly as many balls as McCaffrey is, but not many backs do. But he'll have a great opportunity in this backfield, and it's definitely someone you're going to want to have in your roster as long as McCaffrey is still out. And honestly, even if he's in, just stash him somewhere on your bench, especially if you're a McCaffrey owner, because you never know when McCaffrey might get hurt again. I would never wish injury upon anyone, but we've seen him get injured pretty consistently uh, within the past two years. So definitely worth someone worth stashing on your bench. Number two, we have Zach Moss. Again, this is another guy that I'm sure a lot of you, excuse me, a lot of you guys have already heard about and a lot of you guys have already, you know, heard people talking about um but this is just an extremely explosive offense that gets down the field very quickly and he's getting a lot of goal line work in this offense that is definitely something that's worth stashing on a bench spot and if he shows you more and more you can even start as a flex play um he'll touch pater pretty often as i've said earlier he's uh devin singletary's still do what do my god jack Devin Singletary is still doing what Devin Singletary does best. He's just getting touches between the 20-yard line and the uh, opposing 20-yard line. So th- those um, roughly, what, what would that be? That Those 60 yards of field uh, and those that play from scrimmage is where he's going to specialize. And I just wouldn't really bank on him as a consistent play because of that. Um, he doesn't have that touchdown upside that Zach has. 
and sure he might catch some balls and sure he's going to get some solid yards from scrimmage but this is such a pass heavy offense that I just don't see that much upside in Devin Singletary's game whereas Zach Moss is on top of like catching balls now out of nowhere which he's never done that he's just in far more relative field position given the game script and I know there's so many weapons on this team. Like, I, I've been talking about Emmanuel Sanders for a while. Cole Beasley's still there. Stephon Diggs hasn't even really blown up yet. But I, I still think that there's a lot of upside for him to see Pater, as I've said earlier. And it, even if he's catching, like, two, three balls, that's still really going to help his PPR status. And even furthermore, if something happens to Devin Singletary, Zach is seriously in contention for a bell cow role, and he's going to see... A ridiculous amount of touches so definitely someone worth stacking or stashing on your bench and if we really see his opportunity increase if we really see those numbers go up then maybe he's even worth playing as a flex speaking of other bills weapons emmanuel sanders emmanuel sanders is someone that i've been talking about for a while now if you already have him rostered because you listen to me you should go ahead and sell him high i think this is probably the best production he's going to have all year and you can probably argue with someone oh well this is this is the bills offense this is like what we're expecting to see for the rest of the year because obviously they started the year off a little sluggish and then they just exploded this game so maybe you could try and convince someone in your league well this is what it's going to look like week in and week out now Emmanuel Sanders is clearly the number two in this team, even though he might not be. He might still be the number three. Uh, regardless, that's that would be your selling point. That's how you're going to get someone to trade for him. Uh, because again, it's only a matter of time before Stephon Diggs blows up. And I still think he could be the second option in this offense and can present a lot of upside to someone that you want to trade him to. But again, if he's on your waiver wires, go pick him up. Number four. Uh, this is another guy that his 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 upside isn't nearly as high as these other guys, but it's another guy that uh, he's getting opportunity because of injury, and it's Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber, his upsides, as I've said previously, just isn't too crazy unless Josh Jacobs has delays in recovering from his injuries, or of course if he re-injures himself. Uh, that's still very possible. We've seen Josh Jacobs deal with a lot of like ankle sprains, minor injuries that just like add up and bother him for a long period of time so it could easily easily you know be a be a great pickup and be someone worth investing in especially with Kenyon drake not getting too much work on the ground and peyton barber's really getting that that uh those 18 to 20 touches if you know what i mean so definitely someone to look and especially if josh jacobs isn't going to play this week make sure to slip him in your roster and give him a start this week against the chargers all right finally this is, we're going to wrap up the pod with talking about this guy. This is someone who probably should have been second or third on the list. But as I was looking at the players for to make this list, I actually went to running backs first. And then I went to receivers. And honestly, I was assuming that this guy was owned in almost all leagues. But then I checked. And the threshold I wanted to meet was if you're not owned in at least 50% of nfl leagues then you are eligible for this list and christian kirk happened to be eligible for this list i couldn't believe it i really thought he was going to be rostered in more leagues i mean this guy's making explosive plays he has great chemistry with kyler murray um, i don't really expect to keep this production up but if he's sitting there on your waiver wires go get him and again this is someone that if you have on your bench and you haven't started yet trade him someone will give something great for this guy i believe in at least standard leagues he's like the number 15 wide receiver overall right now which for where you drafted him if you did draft him at all that's great so 
all I'm saying is that I'm not saying you should start this player or I'm not saying that, you know, he's someone you want to put your flex or whatever, but it's definitely someone very high upside who's shown he's got a great quarterback in Kyler Murray, no shit, and he's got a great connection with that great quarterback. So it's just, it's a gold mine for fantasy points and it's really someone you want to look out for. Anyways, guys, I think that's going to do it for me. Uh, as you can tell, this, this pod is a lot shorter. Hopefully, I can keep it up going this way. Again, let me know if you guys like this format more, and please share this pod with your friends and family. It really does mean so much to me. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in once again, and I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Best of luck in your fantasy this league. Well, ho, ho, best of luck in your fantasy league this week is what I meant to say. And also, hope your bets hit. Uh, hopefully, I helped you guys out with some advice. Hopefully, you guys learned something new from this podcast. And if you did, share this with a friend or a family member. Thank you guys so much, and I'm out of here. Peace.